huge stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. Breaking news, Julio Urias has been arrested and charged with felony domestic violence charges. ESPN MLB insider Jeff Passan tweeted out, Los Angeles Dodgers starter Julio Urias was arrested and charged with felony domestic violence charges late last night, an officer with the LAPD tells ESPN. Urias, 27, was booked late Sunday and released early this morning on $50,000 bond. And then just a few seconds ago, the Los Angeles Dodgers Dodgers tweet out, we are aware of an incident involving Julio Urias. While we attempt to learn all the facts, he will not be traveling with the team. The organization has no further comment at this time. And then Jack Harris of the LA Times, he released a report on Julio's arrest that had more information. It reads, Urias's representative Scott Boris did not immediately respond to a request for comment and go on to say Major League Baseball is aware of the arrest and plans to launch an investigation. A person with the matter told the Times. And now as far as when and where the incident occurred, the LA Times is reporting that Sunday's incident is believed to have occurred at the LAFC versus Inter-Miami soccer game Sunday night at BMO Stadium. Urias was among the celebrity guests LAFC announced attended the game featuring star Lionel Messi. Now Urias was scheduled to pitch for the Dodgers on Tuesday against the Miami Marlins on the road. Of course, that will not be the case as the Dodgers have already announced that he will not be traveling with the team as they continue to investigate the situation. Now, since this is an ongoing investigation, we should be very careful to speculate too much, but just using the Dodgers' history and how they've handled similar situations, it is highly unlikely that Julio Urias will ever pitch with this organization ever again. Now, if you look at what happened in 2019, I think it's important to really start right there. In 2019, he was arrested after reportedly shoving a female companion to the ground. He was placed on administrative leave at the time as the league began an investigation into the matter. The Los Angeles City Attorney ultimately deferred prosecution in that matter under the Joint Domestic Violence, Sexual Assault, and Child Abuse Policy agreed to by Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association, the league can impose discipline even in the absence of charges, and Urias ultimately received a 20-game suspension. So what's next for Julio Urias and the Dodgers? Well, the next step will be you'll see that Major League Baseball will come in and place him under administrative leave. And while he's on administrative leave, he'll still get paid. If you're a player that is still accruing service time, you still accrue service time, but once a suspension is levied, then they can rescind that. So that's all about giving the league time to investigate, to gather information, to decide what they need to know moving forward. And that's going to be the case here. Now, how long will that last? There is no way to tell, but I think it's important to remind you that whether or not he gets charged, that's irrelevant for the punishment that he could potentially receive from Major League Baseball. It is completely up to their discretion and their finding 
standings to determine how they want to move forward with Julio Urias. Now, there has never been a player that has received two suspensions, two punishments under the Joint Domestic Violence Sexual Assault and Child Abuse Policy. So that will be a first if that is the case, and that's what materializes out of this. Now, I think if you're this Dodgers organization, like I've told you all year, based on my sources, that it was very unlikely that they were ever going to re-sign him in the first place, even before this incident. Even prior to this, it didn't really make a ton of sense when you consider the fact that he did turn 27 back in August, and when you consider his age and his agent, Scott Boris, they were after a long-term contract, something seven, eight, nine years, and he was hoping to get north of $200 million, and this is a Dodgers organization that doesn't feel comfortable giving contracts to starting pitchers with that kind of length, with that amount of years included. You're just not going to see that unless it's a generational type of pitcher like a Clayton Kershaw. They did make an offer to Garrett Cole when he was a free agent, but you just haven't really seen that in Major League Baseball in recent years. You're seeing a lot of five, six-year deals for starting pitchers. You look at what Carlos Rodon got last year, look at what Robbie Ray got a few years ago, but you're just not seeing those long-term mega deals that we saw, like the nine-year deal that Garrett Cole got. So that was never going to be the case. The Dodgers were most likely not going to sign Julio Urias unless he wanted to sign a one-year deal or accept the qualifying offer or something like that, but I can tell you that Scott Boris and his agent, they had other plans. They were trying to secure him a long-term deal, and you're talking about someone at Julio Urias that was most likely, even if he didn't have a great finish to this year, going to sign a contract worth $150 million or more, something in that range. I don't think that there was a scenario, even if he had a dominant postseason, where he was going to get anything of the $200-plus million mark, but still, he was someone that when you consider his age, age and how many years they were going to attach to that contract was going to sign for something maybe close to $200 million had he dominated throughout the postseason, but realistically somewhere in that 150 to $175 million range. So that is what was at stake for Julio this season, but let's be honest. Baseball is the least of his worries right now. That really should not be the focus when it comes to the topic of Julio Urias, and you look at his history with this organization. He was someone that they found back in 2015 when they were scouting Yasiel Puig and he ends up being the top pitching prospect in all of Major League Baseball. He was someone that was a foundational piece for this team. Someone that was seen as a phenom. He makes his debut at the age of 19 in New York and he would go on to have a big impact on this franchise. The Dodgers don't win the 2020 World Series without Julio Urias and what he was able to do out of the bullpen. When you think of the 2020 World Series, he is the indelible image. You think of him striking out Willie Adamas there for the final out at Globe Life Field down in Texas. I mean, look, there's murals all around Los Angeles that include Julio Urias in getting that final out. And you can't ignore the connection to Mexico, the continuation of the Mexican heritage that was built by Fernando Valenzuela in the early 80s. He was the direct link to that. Look, just a few weeks ago, Julio spoke at Fernando's Jersey retirement ceremony. So, you had that connection. I think when you look at how embedded he is in this franchise's history, he's a part of Dodgers lore forever because of what he did on the mound. But after this organization stuck with him after what happened in 2019, that if these allegations are true, then there's no question that...
in a roaring stadium. Their silence is deafening. 136 Israelis are still being held hostage by Hamas. Bring them home. He will be gone. He won't pitch for this team again this season. And then that will be it for Julio Urias in a Dodgers uniform. And you know what they say. The first time is a mistake. The second time is a choice. So you really aren't going to give someone a third chance if you're the Dodgers. And look, like I said, even before this incident, they were highly unlikely to bring him back. Maybe possibly on a shorter term deal if he really had a bad finish to the season. But even that was unlikely. I heard from people within the organization that Julio was just not going to be back with the Dodgers. So, yeah, I mean, as far as where this team is this year, I'm getting a lot of questions right now about the postseason rotation and how this impacts that. Well, look, I think if you look at how Dave Roberts trusts some of his pitchers and guys that have track records in the postseason, that even if Julio had a pretty solid finish to this year, you have to think that he would have been a game one or two starter. Now I think you look at those first two games and you got Clayton Kershaw and I think you got Bobby Miller. I think Bobby Miller, after the performance that he had against the Braves, his best career start, in my opinion, when you consider it was the first time he completed seven innings and he navigated his way throughout that Braves lineup. I think that Bobby Miller probably gets the ball. The big kicker there is what happens to Walker Bueller because Bueller, he made his debut yesterday for OKC. It was the first time they had pitched in 451 days, almost 15 months, and he looked good. He threw two perfect innings, had one strikeout. The velocity was pretty consistent, just under where it was from a fastball velocity average standpoint to where he was in 2021 and 2022. So if he continues to ramp up and build strength and get his velocity to 97 or 98 miles per hour on that four seam fastball, I think that Walker Buehler is going to factor in in a big way. I think he's someone that you're going to probably see in a piggyback situation. I think there's no doubt that you still start him but you only throw him for four innings, five if he's extremely efficient. And then you think of Ryan Yarbrough in a piggyback situation. I think Ryan Yarbrough was a fantastic acquisition because you maintain that flexibility. I think Lance Lynn is someone who they still think, hey, he's a veteran. He's had postseason starts in the past. If he can clean up some of the home run issues down the stretch, maybe they give him the ball. Then you have a Ryan Pepio who's looked really good in his opportunities since coming off the IL. So the Dodgers aren't completely devoid of depth. I think Walker Buehler returning definitely is a necessity at this point if this team is going to have any chance of winning the World Series. But don't kid yourself. Losing Julio Urias from a player standpoint, from a performance standpoint, how it impacts this rotation is massive. This is someone who during the postseason has had a lot of big-time moments, and he's proven that he can do it on the big stage. So there's a massive blow to the Dodgers as a team, but really the focus right now is taking the next step as far as where this goes from a legal standpoint. The Dodgers, you have to trust that they're going to do the right thing. They're going to not make any rash decisions. They're going to wait till the information presents itself and they can make a decision on it 
while they know all the facts. And I think that you got to lean on Major League Baseball, too, and get the support from them. And like I said, the next step for them is to place Julio Rios on administrative leave. But yeah, the reality is this is an incredibly disappointing development. This is something that really leaves you sick to your stomach from the entire standpoint as far as the situation, the victim potentially, and everything that goes along with that. And it's just really a sad situation all around. But if you guys want more information, we're going to be presenting all the facts, all the latest information over at DodgersNation.com. And if I get any new information, I won't hesitate to go live or upload another video to keep you guys informed. Unfortunately, this is not the kind of story that I like to present, not the kind of like the story that I like to talk about. But like I said, my responsibility to you guys is to give you the facts, give you the information you need to stay up to date on Dodger baseball. But that's going to do it for this episode of Dodgers dugout my name is doug mccain you can follow me on twitter and instagram at dmac underscore la for all the latest dodgers news be sure to hit the subscribe button hit the notification bell and i'll talk to you soon dodgers nation spring is that you warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles meet the super light collection the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.